Welcome to the Debo Unfiltered Podcast. We are your hosts, our Mary, Dr. Nafi, and Anafai Badnar. We are here to engage, educate, and hopefully empower you. Today's episode is going to be about parenting. We'll do a little bit of comparison between the Western world and how they parent and some of our experiences growing up, how our parents did with us, and also how we're parenting those of us that are parents, and then also um, how Africans in general parent. So there'll be a little bit of generalization. So please excuse us. If you're not part of that, please just know that we're not addressing you. So becoming a parent guarantees that you'll definitely make mistakes. You'll say the wrong thing, you'll make the wrong choice, and you'll show up at the wrong time at least once or twice. And I believe for Almeria and I, we can attest to at least this (laughs) happening to us once or twice. You can also be assured that there'll be times when your child will laugh behind your back. Yes, it's very infuriating, but it happens. They will go frustrated by you. That's okay. So the goal is not to try to be a perfect parent, but simply to figure out how to parent your child in an effective way. So today we'll go into everything parenting. What's most important for us and most parents, however, is we aim to raise a child that's mentally strong and who's a child who's going to be responsible and who will be equipped with the realities of adult life. Now, I came from a household of six children, uh, two parents. I, had, I grew up in a two-parent household. Both my mom and my dad were, were very hands-on. Um, my dad was more of the lecturer. So he would always give us lectures after prayers, for example. And then my mom was more of the rule maker when we were younger. Like, you can't do this. You can't go there. Of course, later in life, the roles reversed. My mom became more of the lenient one, and my dad was a little bit stricter. Um, Oh, Mary, how was it like for you growing up in your household? Mm, For sure, my dad was definitely the strict, authoritative, I would say. And my mom was uh, definitely very, very lenient, very permissive, just like easygoing Um, growing up, like to a point where um <laughs> we would make fun um fun of her because we knew that she wouldn't she wouldn't do anything about it um <laughs> you know we like okay she's a white parent so but my dad will speak one word like he would just say stop or just give you the look and you knew exactly um what that meant um he was not like um afraid to use the changla in, in Spanish, which is the shoe to whoop your ass. <laughs> um, you know, definitely not. Um, or give you a slap until you're like literally confused where you're supposed to walk which way. <laughs> um, that was definitely my dad. It was just, you know, um, a man of his word and principled. And that was just, it was definitely very authoritative, but it was but the most loving so it's like almost like you know who are you kind of um most loving most understanding but at the same time no nonsense as well and it was mostly really it wasn't around like you know school education anything like that you know definitely he had his um ways of like knowing this is what you gotta do but it was around boys raising girls right oh my god 
like all the boys knew my dad was Mufasa. They called him Mufasa <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, um, he was so strict to like guys couldn't call, guys couldn't come, guys, you know. So, yeah, that was definitely my my parents. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm laughing listening to you talk about uh, that because I think that coming from the same culture, you know, in um, so there's various the way that I look at it, there's various cultural approaches to parenting, right? Um, depending on where you grow up. So I'm just going to give a general, a quick general like uh, breakdown of it so that our view or our listeners can kind of get an idea of overall what are different types of parenting styles. So our, I know you just talked a little bit about your dad and you described him as authoritative. And so I wanted to talk about what are the different types of, of parenting, right? So if I remember correctly, I rem- uh, when I was in med school, we did talk about this where overall there's four different types. So you have, um, for example, the neglectful you know, parenting where they provide very little nurturing or guidance or they're very uninvolved. They call it uninvolved parenting. And then you also have the permissive parenting type where it's pretty much child driven, right? So parents basically give their kids whatever they want. There's so much overindulgence and um, you pretty much want to be friends with your kids. So whatever they say goes, right? You let them get away with everything. And then you have the authori- uh, authoritative um, kind of parenting. And this is the type where, you know, um, uh, they, you know, you, you solve problems together, but there's really clear rules. Um, uh, you know, it's a, there's open communication, right? Um, but they're strict. And then you have the authoritarian type of parenting where that one is parent driven. Pretty much, you know, they set the rules. It's a one-way communication. There's a lot of, you know, punitive kind of things. You didn't do this. I told you to do this. You're getting this, you know? You know what I mean? So these are the four types of parenting in general. So my, my the one that I have experienced is, is, is more of an authoritative um, kind of uh, parenting with my dad. My dad was the one who was much more stricter, he set all the rules, but I mean, like there was open, open communication in that I can, I, we can kind of talk about certain things, but at the end of the day, they can, you know, they would listen. That doesn't necessarily mean that they would agree with me. Their rules would still go, um, but at least they'll listen. So that, that my dad was more of our Mary, like you were describing your dad. And my mom was more nurturing. She was more on the softer side. I was talking to my sisters not too long ago. We were reminiscing and, and I was saying to her, I think that my mom has only like hit me once that I ever remember, you know, with a shoe. And, um, that's because I, like she was hot, she had a migraine. My mom used to have migraines all the time and she was sleeping. And here I am at like maybe five, six years old or something like that before 10, I'm opening and closing the door, going in like eight different times in, in like 10 minutes. And she would say, I'm sleeping, close the door. The, the doors are like, the lights are off and everything. And I just keep going in and out, in and out, getting something. So my mom, one time I wa- I opened the door, she just grabbed her shoe and hit so hard at the door. I never came back. But that, I, hey, I never, I you never learned the hard way, the honey. But it worked. I never came back in the room. So I remember that, but it was mostly my dad 
who was the disciplinarian in our family. So um, it would be interesting to kind of find out. So I, I, I'm going to ask you, Anna, uh, like what kind of parenting did you think your parents were or did you receive growing up? Was it more of a eh, half and half or was it more? Because some people I know in my family, extended family had like authoritarian kind of a household where it was very punitive, like you would get slapped for even looking the same side that I'm looking at, you know what I mean? Kind of, kind of parenting. Mm -hmm. So yeah. What Mm -hmm. kind of parenting did you have growing up? Yeah, definitely not the authoritarian parenting where it's Mm -hmm. like kids should be seen and not heard. It's my way, the highway, like, no. Um, I think my dad was more authoritative. Mm -hmm. (laughs) authoritarian (laughs) (laughs) my dad was more my dad was more of the authoritative parent Mm -hmm. so he was more like I set the rules Mm -hmm. and we know these are the rules and then if we break the rules there's discussion and then you can and he challenges you he wants to hear what are your thoughts and why do Mm -hmm. you think it should be changed or Mm -hmm. why do you think we should you know, improve it or maybe get rid of rule altogether. And my dad really liked outspoken kids. So him and I got along very well because I was that rebel kid. And, you know, so he, he really encouraged, you know, just you voicing your opinion. Then my mom was definitely the permissive parent. My mom is like, what do you want? (laughs) Okay, you can have it. Like literally they used to call her Tubab because she also was, and, and in, in the Gambian context, when they call your parent Tubab, it's not that because they're white. It's just that the thought process is completely different from what mm-hmm. they're used to. So yeah. like my mom would play games with us. Like, whereas the other moms were in their fancy African boo-boos and gold jewelry and going to naming ceremonies and stuff. My mom was in the streets, like teaching us games, playing in the sand with us. Like um, she would tell us stories. So half of the block that we grew up with were speaking we're singing some Swahili songs because as we all know by now, my mom is from Tanzania. So she, she, because she invested the time in sitting with us to teach us songs as we were doing jump ropes and the songs she grew up with were in Swahili. So she taught us Swahili songs. So Nyom Adama, Awanyong Umi Janga, all of them were singing Swahili songs. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I definitely had the authoritative dad and then the very permissive mom. Oh, Mary, what about you? Interesting. Same thing. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely, I mean, have the had the same experience. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, you know, going into the descriptions that uh, Dr. Nafe shared, you would say at least from the experience, especially now that I've been going into the Gambia and doing work with with young girls, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, the experience that I've had, I th- I would say at least eighty to ninety percent of the girls that I've come across with, because we talk about leadership, right? So um, leadership styles and some of the leadership styles are actually very similar to um, what we're discussing with the four types of of parenting styles. And so whenever we talk about authoritative or authoritarian um, leaders and, um, you know, the be boss, you're not attitude, um, you know, they all talk about their parents, then they bring it at home. You know, that's the first thing that they say, oh, my mom, that is definitely my mom. And funny enough, you know, they, especially for the young girls, because obviously all my work that I'm doing in the Gambia is centered around young girls. 
all the ones that are authoritarian, funny enough, like I mentioned, 80 to 90% has been their mothers are that way because we are sitting here mm. talking about our fathers. For them, it's their mothers that's that. The dad's the very easygoing, soft. Because, and I, I keep wondering, is it because they're young girls and it might be the opposite for the boys or something? Or what happened? What changed? Um, and then in some other households, they're very fortunate to kind of have more of, you know, permissive parents or even authoritative, but then in the same case that like, have very involved, um, you know, parents uh, in their household, which is very, very few. It's not that much. And then you have really, um, which I've come across as well, you have uninvolved, really uninvolved parents because they don't know what their kids are doing in school they have no idea what's going on with their children, if they have had their periods, um, if they are seeing a guy, if somebody's talking to them, somebody's harassing, molesting. They mm-hmm. have no idea what's going on at, at home. They, mm-hmm. they go to work, they come in, they bring the money, and there's nothing else, no sorts of communication whatsoever happening at home. And so they definitely, if you think about, you know, the type of leadership in this case, we call it laser fair. So it's almost like a laser fair parent. They are, have no idea what's going on. They just let you be, they chill, and and which is not good either. So you always kind of have to find that balance. And in this case, I feel like the two are authoritative and, you know, because they're highly involved mm-hmm. and permissive, which will kind of give you a balance of in between that, mm-hmm. where it would be the best, you know, so you're not so, you know, relaxed at the end where you're not even involved in your children. And then in the top where it's your way or the highway, which mm-hmm. again, it will definitely means you're not even involved because your child is not seen, is not heard, is mm-hmm. nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, definitely. You made a lot of sense there. And um, so let's talk a little bit about our own culture, like in particular in Gambia. So we, we, we said a little bit about how, you know, like different cultures, um, like there's different uh, cultural approach right to parenting so i would say like in some cultures you know children are um expected or to be like quiet and always respect the elders right where in other cultures you know it encourages uh, uh, children to speak up and be independent and and i i think that um let's say for example the western parenting right so what is it or what is Western parenting? What do you guys think Western parenting is or means? Because we do say that sometimes that, you know, um, you're raising your kids the Western way, quote unquote, versus, you know, you're, you're raising your kids the cultural, in quote, you know, quote unquote, way. And I think that for me, when I think of, you know, uh, a Western parenting style, I just think that that just means you're putting emphasis on individuality or just letting the child express their own opinions and openly, you know, like where we were raised, all three of us in Gambia, you know, uh, most of the time it's not encouraged for kids to, uh, you know, give their opinions openly. First of all, you don't have an opinion, much less openly, if we're going to be honest. So 
you, you know, you, you are told this is what you got to do. And then that's what you normally do. And so versus the African parenting style is mostly like it's, 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 it's more, the importance is based mostly on family first, not individuality first, right? Family mm-hmm. first and, and, and uh, collectively, as opposed to man, 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 it's all about what I want. You know, here kids growing up here, that's what, that's what we hear mostly. Well, mom, mm-hmm. excuse me, this is how I feel, or this is what I want. Whereas in our cultural setting, we, we don't really hear kids talk that way, saying things like, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's that, Anna? I said, <laughs> right, you get one slap and you're back to reality. Okay, sorry, my bad. Did I just say this is what I wanted? I meant this is what is good for the family, right? So that's how they raise you <laughs> to pretty much think in that direct in that direction. And so I think um, thinking that way, you know, cultural backgrounds definitely give you a sense of who you are. And in most cases, they influence some of our beliefs and customs, right? So my question to you guys also is, um, like, does culture affect parenting style? And if so, I'll start with you, Anna. What is your parenting style? What type of parent do you think you are? Yeah, so I definitely agree with you. When I think of, you know, Western parenting, I also think like more more hands-on in mm-hmm. being involved in the child's life, mm-hmm. but very little consequences when it comes to breaking Mm. rules and mistakes Mm -hmm. that yeah so I think when I think western parenting I think Mm -hmm. that when I think African parenting you know I think rules that you know can't be broken um I think less involvement in the day-to-day life of the child Mm -hmm. but but sticklers for making sure like guarding the rules Mm -hmm. right so if you break those rules there will be consequences but then Mm -hmm. you don't know what's going on in the day-to-day life of your child Mm-hmm. So I would say I'm definitely a permissive parent. I mm. um, yes, uh, and I would interesting. Even go, I'm surprised. Yeah. I'm very shocked yeah. to hear you and, say that. Go yeah, on. I I would even go from being a, a permissive parent to be more of a conscious parent because I don't punish my kids. I I mean don't really have rules. I'm just kind of like. Anna. I'm just kind of like, we're going to wake up and we're going to see how the day's going to go. Now we have, yeah. So, so it's not built around these like structures that we, we have to do like, no, we don't have to do anything, but we can want to do something. Like if we have sporting activities, you have to show up because you've committed to the team. So it's not just about you. So even days where my son is like, mommy, today, I don't feel like going to practice. I'm like, you know what? Find the energy. Let's do something to motivate you because we got to show up to practice because it's a team sport. It's not an individual sport. So things like that. Yes. But as, as far as like, if you go out past Timmy's, you come back, you're going to get spanked or yelled at. No, like if you come back past Timmy's, I'll be like, it was dark. Where were you? You know, mommy gets scared when you come in after dark. I'm sorry, mommy. And that's it. Like, there's no spanking. Mm-hmm. There's no yelling. It's more of a discussion. And then you can explain why you got home late. Now run up and go take a shower. Um, my mom was a permissive parent. And I just took it a little bit further. And my siblings call me the hippie parent. Now, my <laughs> husband is different. My husband is the um, authoritative parent. My husband... Okay 
is German. He comes from a German household. He grew up with a German dad. So he's very much, and Germans have this mindset. They, they're very structured. They're all about rules and, and they're all about, you know, showing up. Like when you say you're going to show up, there's no if, ands, or buts. So having him relax a little bit is something I've been working on for the past eight years. <laughs> and slowly but surely we're getting there. Like now he doesn't yell. Because he's seen for himself, okay, you're right. It really isn't effective to yell. And I'm like, mm -hmm. when you're yelling, it has more to do about you and your own childhood trauma or your mm. unhealed inner child mm -hmm. than it has to do with whatever Omar did, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, take a pause. Think about that before you start yelling. So he stopped yelling. He also doesn't spank. Um, when Omar was, like, maybe four or five, he was definitely, like, spanked him maybe three, four times in the mm -hmm. year. He mm -hmm. no longer spanks. He doesn't believe in spanking. So I'm getting him to adopt some of these, you know, conscious parenting styles. And I think we, we're we doing a good job of getting there. But sometimes I'm also like, ah, it's okay that he's a little bit more, you know, because Nyaryev can't be flu-flu. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I digress. What about you, you know, Mary? What's happening with actually, your parents? You know, because I'm laughing because we're so similar, right, um, Anna? Because here it is. So obviously I had my son when I was 24. He got mm -hmm. married young. So had my son at 24 and he's 18 now. And, you know, when I think about it, like you kind of do all the mistakes with the first one, right? Mm -hmm. So you kind of know, like he got the spanking, the yelling and all that because... I'm like, no, like, you know, you can't do this. You can't do that. And having a black boy, you always want him to be perfect. Like, I remember him going to the store. He would be, like, crying on the floor. I want a toy. I want this. I want that. And I would literally thump him so bad and be, like, you know, kind of smiling. Mm -hmm. and then, but I'm like, boy, you better get your butt up, you know. <laughs> um, and so, but I just noticed that it was, it wasn't helping. It did not help at all. And I changed my style of parenting very early on. So the girls, uh, these girls, they, they tell me whatever they want. I feel like I'm, this <laughs> I'm that parent. They're like, you know, yesterday we went out, I took them, I took them to a hotel so they can spend over the weekend with their grandmother and, you know, and I'm like, I want some orange juice. Can you know, we're sitting at the buffet. Can you go get me? She's like, Mommy, this is the hotel. You go get it yourself. And oh, I had no, to turn she around. <laughs> she sure did. She said, This is the hotel. You go, we are not at home. That's exactly what her words. You are not at home. And then the other oh, echoes, right? Right? <gasps> that's that's the other one, right? She better get up. <laughs> it's a tag team. I want you know, yeah, they're she's like, right? She's you. like, No, this is not. You can just go get your own. And I I had to beg. I had to beg these kids. And they, wow. They're like, so what are you going to give me? What are you, what are, when I get up, what are you going to give me? Right? Like, what are you? And I'm thinking, Lord, please, God, just help me because should I slap them now? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I was, then I had to beg. I was like, please, you know, I'm thirsty. Then they finally got up. All right. But please just make sure that we, like, you know, I'm just like, I, I am that parent. I became that parent where my girls just, uh, they just, you know, and wow. any, other, any other, you know, any other household, they were like, your kids are disrespectful. But I understand them because they're well-mannered. They're very respectful. Um, 
even though other things other people will be like that's disrespectful mm-hmm. uh, like mm-hmm. i understand it right because sometimes mm-hmm. i kind of do that but i we have more of conversations now than anything um same thing with my son it's more like you know tell me cuz i i rather you tell me everything and no judgment rather than oh i'm afraid my mom's going to slap the crap out of me mm-hmm. they will tell you now mommy you're always threatening us because I'm the one that will threaten if I come and slap you, but I never do. I never slap. <laughs> <laughs> like always threatening us with these big threats, but it's mm-hmm. never happening. So they're like, they may up. Like literally, that's what it is. Like seriously, you know, but their dad will say one word and they know it. But then I feel like he was definitely very authoritative with my son, but the mm-hmm. girls, Lord Malika, no control over these girls. Really? whatever oh my god i mean i always say thank god we live in a country where we don't have a lot of like outside because people will be like this kid's got no no respect they tell their dad whatever because <laughs> oh we've kind god. of built that relationship we want to make sure that they feel open and safe enough mm-hmm. that they can come in and have those conversations with us but at the same time we have ground rules like we have you know no internet after a certain time um they know when to wake up you know w- wake up in the morning and pray like do your prayers like things like that but i feel like when you are very authoritarian like you said Anna, mm-hmm. right you mm-hmm. have kids that are going to hide behind your back to do things that they want to do mm-hmm. because when kids or anybody just think about it yourself can anybody control you to do something you don't No, You're going to do what you want to do. So mm-hmm. it's the same thing with these children. We have to give them, a, I feel like, a breathing room or, a, a, you know, a, 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 a space of creativity, nurturing and all that, that love. So they know that, okay, mom, it's not a beast. Mom is not somebody that I got to be fearful of. Even though I may say, I'm going to come there if you talk back, and the, but then I'm not going <laughs> to do anything. Right. Mm-hmm. But they know there's a place of love that we can sit down and chit chat and we can talk about anything, whether it's boys, I have a crush or anything like that. Like these are conversations that should be open to parents. They should have that kind of free space to do that. But I and I and I always say I have my three, obviously, thank God. But I have so many more because of the type of work I'm doing. I have so many kids that um not only mentor, but they go through programs. So you end up being the mother of all these children and you see the difference, right? And sometimes I always say, my kids are so fortunate in the sense that, okay, not, but to have a parent that actually listens to them to say, you matter, your voice matters at home. Like if you don't want to do this, okay, we're not going to do that. If you don't want to take this extracurricular activity, I'm not going to force you. However, if you've signed up, just like Anna said, if you've signed up for it, you have to remember it's not all about you. There's a whole team that relies and, and, and you know, depends on you. And if we're investing in it and you've already made up your mind at that time, you have to see it through mm-hmm. because you want to also teach them that responsibility, accountability, et cetera. So I think parenting can just be... There's no right or wrong parenting, I feel mm-hmm. like. But I definitely don't want to be the one that sets, you know, my way or the highway. Like, you come home, you are so terrified, you want to pee yourself. Like, mom is around, you can't wait for mom to get out and so on. Like, that's not the, the type of mother or even parent that I want to 
have. And it's the same thing with my husband. I definitely have helped a lot with, you know, calming him a little bit more. Just like you said, Anna, Mm -hmm. I was the yell. Like I was the parent that used to yell. And then Malik tried to help, you know, just like, what is the yelling going to do? I get so frustrated with TJ. You know, my son was the first and he was so hyperactive all over the place. And I would yell, stop this. And then he's like, is it helping? And then I had to really sit down and like, you're right. This is not helping. So I had to change that. I was like, well, clearly the yelling's not helping. And then for him, he was like super strict, you know, trying to teach like the boy, you can't cry over this. You can't do like that macho. And I'm like, no, we're not doing that. Let this boy have feelings. Like if he wants to cry about something, let him cry about it. Like that way of Africa, I feel like that's the typical African mentality. Like men are supposed to suck up all these things and just like show no emotion and so on. That's just not how it's supposed to be. And I don't want to raise my kids that way. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about these things. Let's make sure that we create a platform for them to have open dialogue as as parents. So we we have our like usually normally like Maghrib time after we pray, we'll sit down and talk about things that are important. Um, after we do our prayers, obviously, like, you know, how things are going. Sometimes most of the time it's breakfast. Some people have it over dinner. Ours is around breakfast time where we're talking about like what's going on or after school. Like you really need to know who your, you know, your, your children are. So you said something real quick, um, our Mary, you said there's no right or wrong way to parent. There's just different ways of parenting. But we will get into some of the wrong ways of parenting because there are wrong ways of parenting. There's some toxic parents out there. Absolutely. But before we move on, I want to ask you, Dr. Nafi, <laughs> listen, I know women and men and parents who before the kid comes, they're like, mm-hmm. this is the kind of parent I'm going to be. And mm-hmm. then the, the kid gets there and they completely different. So what I want to know is what kind of parent do you think you're going to be? <laughs> oh, my gosh, guys. Just listening to both of you. I was like, wow, our listeners are going to be like, OK, first of all, that's what people are. I'm going to keep it real. Let me be the voice of the listeners, people. Okay. They're going to be like both of you. The way you raised your kids. Because the thing is, um, I, I, okay. So Mike, one of my questions, I was, I'm going to come back to your answer to answer your question, Anna. But one of the questions I was going to ask you guys was that, you know, are you raising your kids the same way your parents raised you? Which the answer is no. Um, for you, Awa, because you have an authoritative dad, and so do you. So did you, Anna. But uh-huh. you guys are both choosing to raise your kids different than your dads raised you, and so that's interesting because I was, I was in my mind, I was thinking that sometimes it is difficult to break the cycle, and so we find ourselves becoming our parents, uh-huh. right? In in the things we do, in the mannerisms. But you two, are, and then another thing from a psychological point of view. What I have learned in school was that sometimes when you experience a certain way of thing, you either do the same thing and repeat the cycle or you do the complete opposite mm-hmm. of, of that. And I've noticed that in a lot of the um, Gambian families that now live abroad, which is that their parents were so harsh on them growing up. And, and so they just do the 180 and just, it's a free for all for the kids. They don't, they, they don't want their kids to feel the way they felt. Mm-hmm. And so they took the complete opposite direction with the parenting. And I would say that 
I don't have any kids yet. I'm planning to have kids, inshallah. But I, yo, I am tough, man. I think that I'm, <laughs> I, guys, I talked to my, my, my husband about this. And I think that I'm going to be the authoritative parent. Because in that, not authoritarian, but authoritative, in that my my dad was like that. My mom, in a way, was also like that, you know, um, where um, there were clear rules, oh, but we, you know, we had open communication. But, I, you know, like, I'm a stickler in doing things a certain way, but I also have learned in the years, you know, that I've lived that sometimes rules go out the window when there's chaos and you have a little baby or a little kid. I, I get all that because my, my, my sisters have children and I have nephews and nieces and I've been quite involved in a lot of their, you know, raise, raising these kids and, you know, babysitting and whatnot. Um, listen, I've even breastfed one of them, but we're going to digress on that. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> <laughs> We did. I was desperate. The baby was crying, girl. I just, he would not stop crying. I just shoved <laughs> like, hey, my breast. On, I just hey, my that's the typical African. Mouth. They're like, here. Yeah. Right? Bloop. I yeah. did. I just shoved my breast in his mouth so he would stop crying. I was babysitting him. He did. And listen, I was a teenager at this time to top it off. And it was tickling. I was screaming. <laughs> but it did the trick. After a couple of seconds, this boy was like, hold up. There is nothing coming out of that thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I was quite involved uh, with my nephews and nieces, but I definitely think that I would be the tougher parent between my husband and I. My husband is just very easygoing, very chill. And I see the way he reacts with my nephews and nieces. Like he is, I sometimes tell him he's way over chill, like way overly chill. I'm like, honey, you can't be acting like that if we have kids. You got to back me up and just... I want you to also, I don't want to be the bad guy, you know, when we have children where I'm the tough person and you're just like, don't listen to your mom, okay? We can go and do it. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like he's going to be that parent behind my back. So hopefully we can talk a little bit about, you know, there should be a balance in parenting and that I have noticed sometimes where one parent is tougher in my sisters. One of my sisters, she definitely girl she is borderline authoritarian but we gonna we, we ain't gonna say her name <laughs> but <laughs> she's very like tough right and then her husband is the complete opposite where he is almost permissive he's chill with the kids they would do whatever and i don't think that that's also the way to take it and i think he 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 he's that way because he balances her out for the children, but I think they need to be on the same page so that the kids don't see her as the, the bad parent because, mm -hmm. and I think that she sometimes is a bit tougher because she is trying to overcompensate her husband being overly permissive, right? With the kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So she is overcompensating by being really tough on them, but that's not also going to be, right for the kids right because you want your kids to be able to come to you you want your children to feel comfortable and not be scared of you in a sense right and not see you as the bad parent and see the husband as the oh he's my friend he's the good guy because he never yells at us whereas mom is always 
telling us we have to do this, we have to do that kind of thing, you know? And so it's a balancing act with parents. You don't want one person to be seen as the bad guy. So you guys have to almost, you know, be on, on the same page and back each other up. You know what I mean? For sure. But, you know, and I, I, you know, but that's the little I know. I'm not a parent right now, but I've had experience with my nephews and nieces, and and just in general, I know I look from outside, and what I notice would be that you don't want it to be one sided either or. So, but that's my little spiel on it. I'll 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 digress. So I wanted to um, jump in real quick, right? And mm -hmm. I, I wanted to just share that, you know, I think it all like in terms of your your sister and maybe um, and her husband, mm -hmm. I think it has a lot to do with maybe the depending on the on the children, because sometimes mm -hmm. too, like I have three kids, but I, I almost want to say that sometimes I parent them differently. Like each right, one, like there's right. certain ones that I may be a little bit authoritative at that mm -hmm. time because that needs to be. Mm -hmm. And then there's others like I just can't like my middle daughter is super chill like I mean you you, you literally to raise your voice a little bit she she has this huge tear drops that will just mm. fall off she's so timid I I can't I've never I've never touched her like hit never ever my you know my son I've spanked when he was mm -hmm. maybe when he was little like stop mm -hmm. you know I'll like I'll at least even hit hit a hand or whatever mm -hmm. my youngest <laughs> that's the rebel like that one is like what are you talking about I don't want <laughs> to do it there's nothing you can do about it and sure is there's nothing I will do about it it doesn't matter even if I brought like the biggest belt and be like I'm gonna whoop you like you're not gonna do it and she'll look you dead in the eye and be like you're not gonna do it I dare you. No. That's my dog. That's that's the little one. I dare you, mommy. <laughs> like, and you won't because that's just who she is. And when she says no, it means no. Like, Lizzie, let's go, you know, to the hairdresser. Like, I'm going to make sure you all, you know, get your hair flat iron or whatever. She'll tell you, I don't want to do that. There's no, you just know she says it once. It's over. That's it. Like, she's a woman, a, a young girl of her word. That's the type. So you're not going to force it. I think it all depends on certain kids. Like, you know, each one of them have their own way. My son mm -hmm. growing up was like, oh, like he was hard headed. He wanted to get into everything. He's running around. But what are you going to do? Right. So obviously you have, you know, your ground rules. You come in at eight o'clock. You do this. You do that. But if they even if they pass it. He knows I'm not going to do anything about it, but at least I have my rules, right? So I feel like with the girls, they're a little bit lenient, especially with the middle one, because she hasn't, she does not give me the, the reason to. Like, why should I yell or do any other thing if she doesn't give me the reason to, right? But then the younger one, I know I have to deal a certain way because that's who she is like this is her character and they all have personality so I think you know with with your sister maybe you've seen her mm -hmm. be authoritarian with mm -hmm. one child maybe mm -hmm. a little bit on the other because depending on the style of the kids I'm sure Anna you probably have the same mm -hmm. with you too you mm -hmm. know what what works for one doesn't work for the other I'll tell you in my household it doesn't Definitely you're right about not. that you're right mm -hmm. about that I have to you you know what just while you're talking about that I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back on how she is with all her kids and you are so right. Okay. Her last baby. Oh my God. Okay. He 
can do no wrong. This kid go. is sitting on his mama's lap. Like she go. is very, very different with the baby than than she is with, you know, the older kids. And she has mostly boys. So she's very tough because she's like, I have to put my foot down and, and raise them a certain way. I can't just let them let it be a free for all and have them do all kinds of stuff because they're black boys, you know. Um, but the little baby, she has a soft spot for him, even though he's a boy. But she's not as tough on him um, as she is on the on the older kids. You're so right about that. Mm-hmm. So Anna, I know. What do you think? I actually do also, you know, go according to the child's energy, the child's personality and the child's flow. So Almer, you talked about ground rules. And I think that's very important that we come back to that because mm-hmm. we have to enforce the rules. Mm -hmm. So house rules and boundaries do more actually for the child to keep them sane. It also helps with just development to make them feel stable and secure. So it's important to have chores in the house to who's doing what, like Halima is in charge of mopping and sweeping. But if she forgets to mop and sweep, like, again, my style of parenting, there's no oh my God, you know, you're going to get in trouble. It's just, Holly, you forgot to mop and sweep yesterday. And she'll probably be like, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. Um, And, you know, Omar is in charge of cleaning up his room. And if he doesn't, it'll just be a gentle reminder. But like, you know, I just think it's good to have these rules in place where we all know when you wake up in the morning, you have to make your bed, you should go brush your teeth, wash your face, then come downstairs for breakfast. Like these are routines that children actually need and it creates structure. And and there's also comfort in it for the kids because it's like you set those habits, but also we have to be flexible. So there's enforcing the rules, but there's also being overly strict. And I know in a lot of African households, some parents can be overly strict to the point mm-hmm. where the chores and the rules become like it's written in stone. Mm-hmm. There's no space for forgetting. There's mm-hmm. no space for something else happening where it didn't get done. And I feel like we, you know, African parents who are parented that way, we have to do be different. We have to make sure that we give our kids a little bit of space to just be kids. And mm-hmm. when it comes to communicating with my kids, I make time for them. So I'll have date night with Omar. I'll have date nights with Holly, or sometimes it's date day. Um, sometimes with Omar, it's best right after practice, right? Because, or right after a game to reward him, let's go out. What do you want to eat? And then I get to sit with him at a restaurant outside somewhere. Now it's COVID or go out for ice cream with Holly. I get to hear all about the crushes because she's in high school now. And with Omar, like he has a girlfriend and he was asking. Oh, Lord like, have mercy. <laughs> yes. And, and he has a crush on someone else. So he was like, you know, he was like, I don't, I'm not a womanizer, you know. So oh I don't God. want to have, I don't want to be with my girlfriend and then be crushing on someone else. Remind me the age again. He's eight. Oh, Lord so, have mercy. Yeah, so I was like, what, what is the womanizer? What does that mean? And he was like, you know, um, boys who go around and tell every girl that they like them and every girl thinks that, you know, they're with them exclusively, but then he has all these other girls. I was like, oh, so he knows what he's talking about. But like in his world at eight years old, like it's a big deal that he has a girlfriend, but he has a crush on someone else. And he he was like crying. He was like, I don't want to hurt my girlfriend, but I have Uh a crush on this other girl. And I'm like, but it's okay. 
if you and your girlfriend, if you could break up with her, he was like, Oh, but dad would never break up with you. I was like, but dad and I are married. So mm-hmm. it's like, explaining- <laughs> right. Oh my God. <laughs> he thought like, he thought he stuck with this girl. Like he had to be with this girl till forever. Aww. And I'm like, no, it, you have several girlfriends, you know, before you find your wife and that's okay. So, but allowing them, to talk about what's going on in their lives as a child and giving it the importance, not laughing at them, not making it feel like it's silly, not making it feel like it's unimportant, but actually, you know, validating the fact that yes, what's going on in your life is very important, not only to you, but also to mommy. And here's my two cents. And I just feel like it's, it's different with, with most African parents where, with six kids, I don't even know how my mom would have had the time right. to do date nights with each one of us. So I mm-hmm. understand. She, mm-hmm. she used to actually group us like boys, girls, and it was four mm-hmm. girls and two boys. So imagine four girls, four personalities. And everyone's yeah. trying to get in their stuff. Like everyone wants to talk about their stuff. And it's like, so you're competing for her attention. And so it's almost exhausting for her to do these mm-hmm. group things. So another reason why I don't want to have a lot of kids because I grew up in a house Mm -hmm. with a lot of kids. Mm -hmm. So definitely how we grow up affects how we parent. Mm -hmm. And um, I just wanted to say one of the other things that I find very important and effective for me as a parent, apart from just spending time together with the kids and having date nights so that we can get what's going on in their lives, allowing them the space to make mistakes and be able to come to us and talk to us. And there's no punishment. Another thing is affirming them. I feel like Mm -hmm. growing up, we, we deal with parents that agi, like, and it's like when you hear that all the time, it's chipping away at your self-confidence and it's chipping away at your self-esteem. Instead, Mm -hmm. The rule in this house is we have to be kind. Like that's one thing we don't skirt around. Like we are so kind to each other. We're always da- dancing, laughing, this music. And it's not forced and it's not fake. It's just the energy in our house. And we're always affirming. Like we tell our kids what we love about them. Like physically, their personality. We hear their dreams. We write lists with them, the things they want in the future. Like, and I feel like, Parents need to do that more because it's important for children to know that, you know, they're beautiful and to hear it from your mom and your dad or to think Mm -hmm. and hear Mm -hmm. that they're smart because they think they're smart. Like, I think I'm smart. I think I'm really good in math, but they're not sure. And then you affirm it by saying, wow, Holly, you're really good in math. Oh, Mm -hmm. Omar, you're a good writer. Like, wow, Omar, you're really fast. Oh my God, Holly, your legs are to die for like complimenting them and and always you know on a mm-hmm. regular basis just affirming them i find mm-hmm. that so effective what about mm-hmm. you Almeri? what are some tips you have like that you feel are effective parenting tips that other people can pick up from um so for me i think especially if we um in the beginning we talked about like western culture very different from like non-western I call it the Mm -hmm. African parenting and there's so many videos like you go to Instagram and we can sit down and laugh like the African parent like we can laugh about it now but then you're just like okay as a child it wasn't funny right um so I always think about like the the lack of hugs children receive especially in the Gambia 
um, in that context. Like my children, I'm constantly hugging and kissing. Like they're like, ew, stop. But I am the hugger, the kisser, <laughs> just making sure that they know. And I'm constantly telling you, I love you. I love you. Like, you know, like yeah. you hear it 10,000 times a day. That way, you know, you're loved. And then, you know, like Anna just said, um, giving them that complimenting them constantly, like, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially when I feel like those are things that they probably are not so confident about. Mm-hmm. Um they're always hearing the confidence like oh you so you know you're so tall you're so beautiful look at your beautiful hair you know beautiful finger like whatever I make sure that I give them the biggest compliment and you know even though they'll say but you my mom you always say something like that but I'm like really look at it like take a look you're the prettiest girl in the world like I I I always say you know um with the girls like (laughs) I have a way of you know because I have two like I can say you're the most handsome boy in the world but I can't do that with the girls because then they're like, what about me? So I always say you're the prettiest 11 year old and then you're the prettiest 13 year old. And so I keep it that way. So you almost like feel you are special like mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. um, because I can't be like you, the prettiest daughter, but with, with my son, I always say that because he's, he's the only one. Um, but I feel like giving them the compliments and then asking and really listening and not no judgment, like really just sitting there and listen and, like don't talk back when they're giving you like feedback mm-hmm. um, and be involved, like ask about their friends. Like that's one thing maybe if that puts me in a little bit of the cusp of the authoritative, mm-hmm. it's really finding out like who are they hanging out with? Who are they? Who are their parents? Where they live? Like I ask everything and my son hates it. Like, why are you asking so many questions? Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I want to know like, who's this boy? who's this you know where's a parent like where they live you know like I just want to know because like I want to know who my son is hanging out with the same thing with my daughters it's the same Mm -hmm. like I ask who's the mom where they're from and for them they don't like that but that's one thing I'm not compromising on it's just I want to make sure who's like around my child what kind of influence does she have around her even though I've instilled the right values like I feel like I am um, but you just never know because influences, it can definitely, uh, really hurt, um, you know, your child's development. So, mm-hmm. but I would say those are the tips, but really it's the most is just hug and more. And then why sweat? Like I'm with Anna on like, why sweat these little things? You don't have that much time. There's a mm-hmm. friend of mine who actually put it for me early on in perspective. He says, you only have 18 summers with your child. And that really hit me when you think about it you only have 18 summers and my son, I had 18 summers with him and then he's out to college. And with him, I actually had 17 summers because this summer I did not spend with him. So I had 17 summers unless he comes and spends another entirely out of college. You know, you understand obviously, but Mm -hmm. that's an adult coming home. They may even end up coming with a girlfriend, right. Mm -hmm. To tag along on vacations. Mm -hmm. They may, uh, get married early and come with a child like it's just a different person so when you think about the little time that you have with your children why spend it on like things that will be painful hurtful and not enjoying the moment like so I yes I'm the parent that my child will literally ride on my head but I'm okay with that totally fine so I have a question for you guys then both because I'm listening 
uh, attentively to both of you guys. And um, I hear Anna say in one of her uh, discussions that we don't do punishments in our household. So my question to you guys is, do you guys have any sort of actions and consequences kind of rule in your house? Or is there no consequences for any type of actions in your households? Anna, you can go first. Okay, so I'll have to speak for myself. It, it, mm-hmm. It's different for my husband. Um, but even though he's also learning now, I'm <laughs> pulling him along slowly but surely. So he would be the one to be like, no electronics, right? And I'm mm-hmm. like, hmm. So we're in the middle of an entire pandemic, but like we call it in our house, we're in the middle of a plazas. And <laughs> kids can't go on play dates. They can't go to school. They can, and you want to take away his electronics so that mm-hmm. he can start climbing the walls? Like what what exactly is the point to that? So again, no. Like I feel like <laughs> I feel like it doesn't make sense. Give him his iPad, let him have his computer, let him play Roblox, let him call his cousin and do whatever. Let's discuss whatever this issue was. And the reason he took away his um, his iPad and electronics was because he broke the TV in the basement. And that's his TV. Like, that's his play oh. area. That's his TV. And he loves to play with swords. Um, but, you know, he wants a real samurai sword or a real <laughs> Japanese Lord sword. Mercy. And we're like, we'll get, we'll, we'll get that for you when you're 21 and you can hang it on your wall, right? Mm-hmm. But for now, these we're going to get you toy swords. So mm-hmm. the toy sword just wasn't doing it for him. So he decided to find some kind of stick. And oh, he was waya, waya, waya in the basement. And then, of course, the stick <laughs> hit, the, hit the TV. <laughs> oh, oh man, I know you're used to hearing those sounds when he was little. And, right these invisible monsters that they're fighting and you're like what, what? who what ninja where but anyway i digress so um he broke the tv right and he comes upstairs and he tells his dad um i broke the tv and my husband said it took everything in me all the talks we've had for me to look at him and say okay no problem we'll deal with that he said because everything in him wanted to yank this boy up mm-hmm. <laughs> and take him to his room for a really good spanking, right? But mm. he said, he told him, okay, we'll, we'll discuss that later. Are you okay? He's like, yes. So he said the fear in the boy's face is the reason why he knew he had to react different because he oh. already came to him scared. Mm. So, right. So he's thinking, okay, he thought about it. Then he was like, you're going to lose all your electronics. Then he comes upstairs and he tells me, and I'm like, no, he's not going to look. So now that he doesn't have the TV and no iPad and like, what do you want him to do? And we can't be outside in the park all day. So we talked about it. I reasoned with him. He got his electronics back. So basically what we would do, um, Dr. Nafi, is just Mm -hmm. have a discussion, right? And then we're going to hold you accountable for changing behavior. So now my question, my question to you is though, as I'm talking to you as a physician. Mm-hmm. So what do you, what does holding accountable looks like? Okay. So, right. So changing behavior, I was just saying, so what we agreed was now, you know, especially after you've broken the TV, dad always tells you don't take sticks and nonsense things and use them as swords and don't bring them in the house. So mm-hmm. there's no more bringing sticks in the house. There's no more finding sharp objects in the house that he's going to use as swords or whatever he mm-hmm. will only use the actual swords that he has 
Now, what and, if he does bring so, uh, or, or sticks in the house again? Then what would be the follow-up consequences to that? Then he would lose his actual real swords. Okay. okay. Like maybe, but maybe like for a day or two, right? Okay. And then okay. he's going to miss them. And then he's going to remember that if he brings anything in the house, he won't mm-hmm. be actually able to play with his swords. So they're very okay. soft. And also because he's a kid, he's eight. We're very mm-hmm. mindful of the time frame. So like these mm-hmm. big punishments, like you can't use your three swords months. for a whole week. For three oh. months. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, a whole week? Yeah. Girl, that, that's a whole seven days in a house with a boy who's obsessed with swords and he can't use them. That yeah. means now I am his entertainment. And I got yeah. work and computers and <laughs> meetings and cooking and laundry. Uh-uh. It just right. it's not conducive <laughs> with our lifestyle, right? So right. it's like, okay, for a day or two, you're not going to be able to use your source. Because remember, dad told you, you broke the TV. Yeah. You're not allowed to bring sticks. So it's always just enough for the age group. Like, to, for example, for Halima, she's 14. Um, yeah. So she can take a little bit more, like, she is not allowed to be on her phone after 9.30. If we find her on her phone after 9.30, she's going to mm-hmm. lose her phone, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we can say you're going to lose your phone for a week. That's mm-hmm. a long time for a 14-year-old. Mm-hmm. So then what we decided to do is just get the app where we, the parents, control when the phone comes on and off. So automatically at 9.30, the phone goes off mm-hmm. and the phone comes back on at 5 a.m., which is when she gets up for school. Mm-hmm. So these are, these are also ways that you can regulate her phone usage without being, mm-hmm. you know, like a strict crazy parent who's like, give me your phone because you mm-hmm. stayed on it at 931. Right, right, yeah. right. So yeah. you guys do have actions and consequences in your household. Yes. It's not called punishment, which it shouldn't, right? Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. punishment, but it's a form of consequences because I feel that in order to be effective. So out of all the um, parenting styles that I discussed earlier, the most effective type of parenting that they have found with research for years and years of studying is the authoritative type is the most effective. And I feel like you have to teach children as they grow older, there has to be action consequences combo. Because Uh if children, you're not teaching them to be responsible adults if there's no consequences to their behaviors. These are the children we see who grow up and become presidents and they start doing crybaby shit. Right? We ain't Mm gonna name names, but I'm Mm -hmm. not saying Mm-hmm. We're not naming names, but this mm-hmm. is it because they do, they have not had consequences to their actions as a child. Mm-hmm. So it's very important. So they feel the world revolves around them. If they don't have what they want, you know, they always have to throw, you know, uh, tantrums as a 70 year old. And right. so you want to make sure that whatever type of parenting works for you, you want to make sure that in the midst of that, you're teaching your children responsibility, accountability, like our Mary said, and you follow through sometimes. I always stay away from the word punishing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when you are teaching your children consequences, you're not necessarily punishing them, Mm -hmm. right? And so when people say, oh, I'm going to punish you, you want to stay away from using those terms, you know, and, and just 
and just uh, and refer to it as this is a consequence to your actions. One of my sisters, she um, has a way different type of parenting, and I love her parenting style so well. Like she so much. So she she has two boys, and she would always, whenever they they um, they are very well mannered, by the way, and uh, whenever they act up, sometimes she literally will get on her knees and come eye contact, like eye level with them. Mm-hmm. And she has a conversation. I mean, she is talking to a six-year-old like she's talking to a grown man. Like mm-hmm. she is having a full conversation and explaining what it is that this action that you're doing right now, it's not acceptable. We can't do that right at this moment. So if you're not going to change this, we need to go stand over here and have a moment to ourselves for a second. Like she, I like the way she interacts with her children. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes she has spanked them if it's needed, but she, most of the time she's very, very like loving with them. Very, the way she talks to them. I mean, now if we're at the, at the grocery store and I tell you, you can't have a cookie and you slap me, honey, you're going to get a whooping. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. That's just how it's going to go down. It's not going to be like Jenny, Stop it. We're not doing that. Not Jenny now. <laughs> not Jenny, oh honey. My God. Oh, oh, no, 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 But here's here's my thing, right? I feel like you know, when I when I really mention like no right or wrong, I think it just depends on really on the child. Depending mm-hmm. on the child. So and it goes back to that type of parent because here's the thing. I feel like most of these children, like from what I've seen that will come here, like I, you know, I've seen too many kids come into this house from my son, from my daughters, but there's really strict parents that I know when the kids come here, mm-hmm. hmm, it's a different child. So I feel like mm-hmm. you, you see a different, you know, facade outside. They bring you something completely different. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're overly strict and then you feel like you have, no, 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 my child, no, no, it doesn't do this. They don't do this. They don't do that. And they're the ones that as soon as you open those doors, because you've kind of controlled so much, I feel like mm-hmm. control, it's not good. Overly controlling your children, it's not mm-hmm. good. Overly protecting your children is not good either. Correct. Correct. You know what I mean? You're kind of balancing it. You got to find a way to balance that. You have mm-hmm. to definitely have consequences, accountability for children, for sure. Right. You know, if you've done this, you didn't do that. Well, okay, then we'll have conversations. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say punishment. The word is just mm-hmm. heavy and you don't want mm-hmm. these kids to feel like you're going to punish me. You're going to mm-hmm. do this. You do that. You know, like like Anna mentioned for us, we turn the Wi-Fi like right, right at 10 o'clock. There's no Wi-Fi for them. So they can't like use anything. They mm-hmm. cannot Google any. If you didn't do your homework by then, don't wait till 11 o'clock to mm-hmm. do your homework, right? Your homework should have been done. Right now is bedtime. Wi-Fi is off until 5 a.m. Um, when it should be coming back, you're trying to wake up to go to school and all that stuff. Like, But you can have your phone. You will just won't have Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, we should be able to trust that. And we've kind of built for, for us. It's like building. How do you build trust with your children? Mm-hmm. If you've given them money, you have conversations and then watch them. Like I have one that she, like my middle daughter, the timid one, like she forgets she had money because she's so stingy. 
like always <laughs> counting her coins and she'll find money later on, like in her purse because she forgot. Then I have the spender. My son will spend like you give him money today. He'll spend it like the next day is gone because not only on himself, he'll buy all his friends something. That's him. He's the giving. Like he's like, oh, you don't have shoes. Okay, let me get your shoes. Oh, you don't have food too? No problem. We send him allowance. It's like, but you know, my friends, when I go out, I had to buy Chick-fil-A so I couldn't eat by myself. I have to buy for all of them. I'm like, oh my God, this kid is going to really bankrupt us. Like, because that's <laughs> his type. And then you have my youngest, the fashionista. So always thinking about a trend that's coming out and then she wants to get this skirt to match that and this and that. So you kind of have like different personalities and you have to parent according to sometimes that way because you can't be like, oh, you all are going to get an allowance, but you can't spend it. Mm-hmm. You have to teach them, you know? So I think as parent, what goes back into it's teaching your children. Once you teach and instill certain values mm-hmm. and norms, I think what you can do is just kind of move back and watch them. Because if not, if you kind of holding, imagine yourself, would you want somebody breathing constantly behind you? Did you do this? Did you do that? And mm-hmm. I can be that naggy parent sometimes. Mm-hmm. But do you want that? You don't want that. Right, right. right? Nobody wants that. Even yeah. adults don't want that. Oh, Mary, right. I just quickly want to bring up, because you brought it up, um, children and finances, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think it's very important, especially for us Africans, our generation to do better because I am pretty sure I can speak. I have a lot of friends that I talked to about finances and it's like our parents never passed on any financial knowledge to us. Mm-hmm. They were like, go to college, go be great. And that was the end. Mm-hmm. They didn't mm-hmm. teach you how to budget. They didn't teach you how to invest. They didn't teach you how to save. Mm-hmm. They didn't mm-hmm. teach you how to, how to um, figure out real estate, nothing. They were just like, go get your degree, make us proud. And that was it. <laughs> right? Right. right. So I feel like, We have to do better with our children. So Mm -hmm. we have to make sure that we educate our children about finances. And Mm -hmm. we do that in our household. We talk to the kids about money. We talk to the kids about what you want to buy, right? What do you need to buy? We talk to them about allowances. How much do you have? How much did you spend? What is left? And we always Mm -hmm. talk about the three buckets. You're, You're spending money your savings and your investment. And we, mm-hmm. we have an app. We go, we've been using the Green Line app. So with the Green Light app, we're able to sit with the kids and say, what do you want to invest in, right? So for example, Omar will run around and tell all his friends, I'm part owner on Netflix. I'm part owner, mm-hmm. you know, because he's picking the companies he wants to invest in. Even if it's just putting $10 on, mm-hmm. uh, buy $10 stocks yeah. for Apple, $10 for, for Netflix because right. he loves to watch it. What if, the point is engaging them at a young age so they know what yeah. money is, so yeah. they understand why do we need to save, so they understand what is spending, and then they also have an idea what is investing, right? Mm-hmm. To Bobby, the child is born, the child has an account, the child mm-hmm. has yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything, like everything set up for them. And us, we're just winging it. Most African yep. families, we're mm-hmm. winging it and we're hoping you get a scholarship. We didn't mm-hmm. even save mm-hmm. for your college. We didn't save for you to get your sweet 16 Correct. car. We're mm-hmm. just out here winging it. And I feel like it's time we discuss finances and children and we got to stop winging it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those of us that are exposed, sure. those of us that went abroad to get educated, those of us that went to Gambia uh, University, University of the Gambia, we Mm got to do better. We're Mm -hmm. in our marriages. Mm -hmm. We have children. Let's teach our children about finances. 
let's educate them so that they're aware right mm-hmm. and then oh, send moromita yeah. send moromita me dunyan raw Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you hit it right. You hit the nail right on the head, Anna, about that when our did too about the financial, you know, awakening that we should be giving our children. So my niece, she's sixteen. Uh, she just graduated from high school, so she's going away to college. And what my sister did is actually took her to the bank, and they had an appointment. So they literally gave them. She get she was given a finance classes, and they taught her about you know what a credit credit card is so they opened the credit card for her it's attached to my sister but she feels empowered that she has her own credit card you know they gave her a limit of 500 so girl so she's not breaking the bank from mm-hmm. mom so 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 and then the the uh, financial advisor was explaining to her what uh late payments are if you pay on time it increases your credit this and that when you like she is so empowered. She's an empowered young girl at 16 going away to mm-hmm. college. Whereas, and it's so important. Oh, my Dr. God. Mm-hmm. Dr. Nafi, please, like, say life. that again, especially mm-hmm. right before she goes to college. Yes. And that mm-hmm. way they set you up to fail. They bring mm-hmm. all the creditors. You have yeah, no knowledge exactly. about finances and credit. You sign up for everything. Thank you rack you. up all the debt on your credit and you graduate. And guess what? You got $50,000 of credit card debt. Your credit mm-hmm. is in the toilet by the time you graduate. So for us, we didn't get that, right? We were not, we didn't have that financial awakening going to college. And then these like credit lenders, you know, that are like uh, predators pretty much are sending you all these credit cards in college. You're now, your mom and dad is not with you present there. So you're making these choices because you did, you don't know any better. So yep. I was yeah. very, I was very impressed that, we're taking like our parents didn't teach us that going to college, but you know, we are teaching the next generation and our children that. So my niece is empowered. She has a little credit card. She knows to pay right on time. You know what I mean? And my sister is saying to her, I'm also teaching you responsibility by saying, when you go to you know college, get a little job on the side, try mm-hmm. to be financially responsible and pay for this and pay for that. I'm not going to have you run around hustling for money because you don't have anything, but I want to teach you financial responsibility in that mm-hmm. mom and dad is not always going to be sending you all of your money. Get a little job on the side if it's one or two days a week. And just make a little something, something. You can you can use it for whatever, but at least you're not being fed all the stuff you need because I we want you to also be financially responsible. And sometimes if we do everything for our children financially, they are not responsible because they're mm-hmm. not paying for it. They have no mm-hmm. leg or or skin in the game, so they don't mm-hmm. care if they go and ring up your. I have friends in college who would ring up their parents' credit card to thousands and thousands of dollars, but they're not. I was that back. friend. I was that friend. Right? I didn't know nothing. All I know right. is she gave me an American Express card and was Girl. like, go to college and enjoy your life. I was like, Girl. swipe, swipe, swipe. I did yeah. a little something, something. So it's good also to become financially responsible Absolutely. if you are Absolutely. supposed to be paying some of that Absolutely. back. So I'm very proud that my sister like is doing that to empower her daughter. And she was just, you know, reply, re- repeating everything she learned. She was repeating it back to me because I'm asking her, are you ready to go to college? This and that. And she's saying, you know, I learned all about these late fees and like my credit is everything. So I'm not trying to graduate with a bad credit, you know, Auntie Nafi. So that. I'm so, girl, I was so proud. 
That's right. Oh, I applaud so your sister. I applaud. We, right. oh we should have a, we should have another episode oh about finances and 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 please invite your sister to come and share with us. She did that because I was like, "What? I'm gonna have to share this on the parenting thing that you even thought to take your 16 year old and get like an appointment at your bank so that somebody mm-hmm. teaches her." all of this stuff so she goes in so empowered you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so in a way i am i'm glad we're sharing it here because just because our parents didn't do it for us doesn't mean we don't do it for our Absolutely. children Absolutely. you know what i mean yeah. so when we know better we do better and mm-hmm. and so and sometimes there are again we say that you know um culture changes or affects the way that we parent and i do know like some of the ways that we were raised for example right Parents never apologize. Is that the only thing that happens in my family or you all have that? Because in our culture, parents are wrong sometimes, but you will, you will not be caught dead with your parents apologizing to you. Listen, I, listen. <laughs> am I? Is I mean, am I bugging or did you? I mean, I, I didn't. That? Th- luckily, I was I was fortunate to have you know parents that apologize, and oh, I yeah, am uh-uh. a parent that apologize. But you yeah, are, but you I'm, are in the minority, my friend. Yeah, yeah. I so know, I, I didn't, parents never do. I didn't grow up with a dad that apologized. Right. I definitely grew up with a mom that apologized. Yeah. Mom was. And I am. Yeah. And I am an apologizing parent. And my husband, you guys just started apologizing. (gasps) And the first time he apologized to Omar, Omar was so in shock. Like he rushed over to him and gave him a hug. Almost like, Mm. Oh no, it's okay. Dad, you don't need to apologize. And then he held him back and he was like, no, my son, I have to apologize because I was wrong. And he wanted him to take it in, you know, like I was wrong and I apologize. And Omar, like, I was just like, oh my God, this is a moment. It's, this is a moment, but I encourage parents to apologize more often to your kids. It's important. It validates their feelings, their emotions, their life experiences. Right. And you see confident kids. It Mm -hmm. gives them so much confidence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm all about it. Oh, and sometimes it's hard for us because if when we, again, like I said, when we grow up in a certain culture, it's very easy to continue the cycle because in our minds, right? Because it wasn't done for us. Sometimes some of us struggle. I've seen it in the Gambian community where a lot of the parents do the same things that their parents did to them. They feel like you listen, you live under my roof. I don't have to apologize for shit. I live here. It's my rules. If you don't like it, hit the road, right? And so I shouldn't have to apologize to you. So mm-hmm. I've seen that even now in our generation, there are friends who parent like that in the Gambian community. <laughs> and, 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 and so, I mean, it, it happened. Right? And I thought about, you know, what back in the day, what they would do is actually general drink. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. <laughs> That was the apology. But that you was are the apology. so right. That was oh the apology. My, my mm. dad would always do that. He yep. has never said, he had never said, I'm sorry to us in his life. But what he would do when he knows that he messed up or he was wrong, he would buy you a drink. That's he it. would, he would take me for ice cream in the evenings. Yeah. Like yeah. he would do. And in, in a way, I knew we had this language where I knew that meant I'm sorry because he That's knew. It. he. So but like he would. I, and I and I also I'm OK with the fact that 
he was having a hard time saying, I'm sorry, because that's how he was raised. His parents never did it. So he had a harder time saying it. But because he was educated and he was a bit more enlightened, he found ways to tell me he was sorry. And mm-hmm. I appreciated that. It wasn't physical or verbally said, but he found different languages and different ways to make me feel that he is apologizing for what he did by taking me out for ice cream, come over here, robbing my back, and then using the fan when the lights are out. Oh, girl, that was my jam. <laughs> you know, like just little stuff like that, you know, will fan us to sleep, you know, when the lights are out in the evening. So he would do that. But even though he was a very tough cookie like my dad is strict like and as a most dads in our culture that was how they were raised so they had that kind of mo growing up too but mm-hmm. once in a while you will see him break out of his mole and be a softer dad and when we got older and when, when we moved to the u.s he was we were surrounded by you know that type of parenting different from his and i noticed him and my mom change the way that they parented and I was kind of pleasantly surprised that they actually picked up on the way that parenting is done here it could have been that they were doing it in Gambia because that was the way it was done for everybody so Mm -hmm. they did they that was normal way of parenting so they went with it but when we moved to the U.S. and we you know growing up they changed their way of 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 communicating another way that I want one other thing that I was going to say was a different way of parenting was that Physical affection. Anna, you mentioned it. Giving affirmation to the kids. Saying, I love you. Dude, we never say I love you in most of our cultures. That, that, that's the honest truth. And this is true for not just Gambians or Africans. It's across the board. I have um, uh, Pakistani friends, Indian friends, whose parents didn't say I love you to them because that was the cultural norm. Mm-hmm. We know that they love us, but they never would verbalize it. Right? Mm-hmm. And so, and that was okay. Like we were not dying that they didn't say, I love you. We understood and, and in other ways knew that they loved us because they were our parents. When we moved to the U.S., my dad, oh my God, when he said, I love you, I almost fell off my chair. And it was <laughs> emotional. He forced himself to say it. Oh, It was not mm. easy, but I, oh my God, it almost brought tears to my eyes, right? Because Mm -hmm. I was like, here is this African man whose parents never said, I love you to him. And here Mm. he is like saying that to his adult children, because he's like, dude, it's like, I would, it's, you know, better late than never. I have to say it to her, even though she's now an adult. And when I heard it, I was like, oh my God. And so I, we ended up having this relationship where he went from being this authoritative parent to pretty much the softy. Like mm-hmm. I would hug my dad. I would hold his hand when we walked to the mall. As a kid, I didn't do that. Right. Because there was a distance in our relationship. Right? And growing <laughs> up, we became more as friends as we got older. And I appreciated that that our relationship um, grew to that, to the, in that direction where I could talk to him about a lot of things. If he did something um, where it wasn't right, I would I was confident enough to talk to him, but in a respectful way, and he received it. Whereas, yeah, because like you said, when you know better, you do better. Yes, Once and, they yes. got to an environment where they were allowed to be more affectionate, you know, they pivot and yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I allow that, that part to, sh- yeah. That's so great. our listeners, even if you're in Gambia, you know, I mean, it's never too late to kind of reach out with your children and just change things. Because if you know better, you do better. And yeah, sometimes we were not raised that way, but we can do better because we know and learn better that our children need us to say to be more affectionate with them. You don't have to slobber over your children. That's not what we're saying, but it's good to show affection so that your child understands and knows that we all need that. It doesn't matter how old I was. I appreciated my dad saying I love you to me, right? Even though it's not that it was a question of whether I knew it or not. I 100% knew that my dad loved me. You know what I mean? So that was never a question. But it's nice. It's nice to have parents, you know, show that kind of affection to their kids. Which takes me to respect, girl. Because you all know in our culture, respect is one way. You're an adult. What the adult says goes. Even if you the, the adult, you are forced to go and apologize to that adult. Yeah. And so I feel like we all grew up in that environment where parenting, we are our we expect our children to always be the one to respect us. We were not necessarily taught that we have to in turn respect our children. I know this is a scary thought, guys. You know, especially for our community, that we have to respect our children. That, that concept is non-existent. We are not taught that the children have rights and that we have to respect. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you talk a little bit on this, Anna. And then, Awa, you guys tell me what are your thoughts on this. Well, I think it definitely goes both ways. I grew up in a household where I was respected as a child from both my parents, and I gave respect back. And I also, as I shared, grew up with a mom who did apologize, a dad who mm-hmm. didn't. But again, he also had mm-hmm. his ways of showing when he he was sorry, like the mm-hmm. old Fanta that you would buy or like Moan, you don't want to. Like then he'll he'll walk with me to the to the boutique pool and then mm-hmm. he'll buy me kebab damfa. Like that was his way of apologizing mm-hmm. yeah. for hurting my feelings or something, you know. And my dad was very affectionate. He was he was the mushy parent. Um, he was always hugging us. He was always telling us he loved us, even in mm-hmm. Gambia before we moved to the US. Mm-hmm. So I definitely felt felt respected uh, from from my parents, and I gave respect back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in in my own um, family as well, I respect my children, and they know that I respect them. I even say it, you know, I'll say, you know, out of respect for you, I am blah blah blah, or Holly, you know, I respect you, so I wouldn't blah blah blah, or like Oma, mm-hmm. I respect you, that's why I'm asking you to blah blah blah. So I think it's mm-hmm. important to also verbalize these things because I think we have this like, oh, they know, or we assume like, oh, my kids know Mm -hmm. I respect them, but they need to hear you say it. Just like Mm -hmm. my kids know I love them. Yes, but they need to hear you say it. Like my kids know I'm sorry, but they need to hear you say it. So I Mm -hmm. think for our generation, it's getting past the doing the actions to show respect, doing Mm -hmm. the actions to show love, doing Mm -hmm. the actions to show apology Mm -hmm. and actually verbalizing it as well. Mm -hmm. So I'll pass it on to you, our Mary. Um, Actually, for me, I I was, I mean, as I'm listening to you, Anna, I was like, we're definitely very similar parents. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the <laughs> I'm the same way. I mean, I grew up like I said in a household. My dad maybe not openly say in front of everybody, but mm-hmm. he would at least for me. Um, you know, we everybody knew that I was dad's favorite, but Aww. he would always come to me and apologize if he'd done something. Same with my mom, whatever. But at home as well, and my kids actually very funny. I tell you, these kids, especially that last one, she'll tell you <laughs> a respect is earned, mom. You know, she'll tell like yeah, 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 yeah. She'll tell you. She'll it's just like oh. it's not like that is earned and it's goes both ways and so they understand that you know you just can't come in and demand it it's like you mm-hmm. cannot demand respect it has mm-hmm. to be both ways mm-hmm. and so much so all my kids know that like if they you know now that you know my son is back in the U.S. like um, this auntie didn't call me but you're older it's like um, older doesn't mean anything just like they have a phone I have a phone right um, oh, I have a phone. They have a phone. So they can also reach out. So it's like, you know, they they know like, OK, you have to respect me, too, as you know, who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. It just it's not demanding. So I don't demand respect at home because I'm my, you know, I'm the mother. Like yeah. I used to see, I remember um, when there were kids that were younger adults, they, but why? And I'm like, why has a long tail? Because I, you know, I remember hearing that, like, <laughs> why has a long tail? They're like, what does that mean, really? What does that really mean? And so you got to give them reason, right? And so with them, um, it's nothing that I demand. It's just something that you know that you have to respect them, I respect you know, we respect our boundaries. We have things mm-hmm. that we respect. And that's just it. You have to respect children. I have to respect, mm-hmm. you know, the youngest. I don't demand, okay, because I'm the elder. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to respect me because I'm your boss. You have to respect mm-hmm. me. No, like, it's not like that. You know, I, I respect whoever shows me that they deserve. They are worthy of respect. So I think wow. we have to wrap up. We do. There's so much to unpack. So obviously, we're not going to do... We're going to have to do a, a part B of parenting because I feel like, girl, our, our listeners are going to be like, well, but this is, I, it, was, it was different for me. It was, the, yo, you all know, if we're going to be honest, in Gambia, like the way you just described our, I mean, I'm right there with you. Respect, I've always thought, I might be little, but you have to respect me too as a little human. But our culture does not give respect to children. End of story, point blank, period. That's it. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. are a pass. <laughs> Personal gratitude don't, yeah. don't exist. You are just there, right? Yeah. And so yeah. we have to get out of that mindset. And and the sad thing is, a lot of people in our culture, in our generation, are regurgitating the same feelings and the same, um, you know, practices and exercise. Where they say, "Yo, listen, I am the one who pays rent. I'm the one who pays for everything. You don't have any um, say in what goes on in the house." So. We need to get away from that because we're teaching children that they don't matter. They don't have a say. They're not respected in the household, you know. And sometimes when you go abroad, you need to kind of, you know, when you know better, you need to do better and not keep going back and doing the same things that was done to you because that's what your parents did. So you think you need to also, you know, rule with an iron fist. I'm not saying let your children run rampant and slap you and call you names. That also is not cute and it is not the way that parenting needs to be. So we're not saying that, right? Because we don't want to have to get all these hate mail saying, oh, you all are living in in la-la land, saying that the children can do whatever, you know, that there's no consequences. That's not what we're saying. At least that's what I get from you two as the parents, that that's not what you're saying. 
Yeah, definitely you know? not. Find a balance. It doesn't have to be the, the extreme. It doesn't yeah. have to be letting your kids run around and slap you up and down. It doesn't have to be also you run around slapping your kids. Let's right. find the balance. Right. Let's be gentle. Let's mm -hmm. lead with grace. And also realize that you're human, you're making mistakes, so say sorry. And your daughter, your child is also a little human learning and making mistakes and they can say they're sorry. So let's mm -hmm. have grace for ourselves and for our children and, and just be, try to be patient. I know it's not easy because we have so many things going on in our lives, but definitely what I want to leave our audience with is, yes. you know, just you are in charge of the energy that's going to be in your home. And I feel like people, you don't realize the power of the energy you have in your household. When your husband comes home, is he happy? Because he knows he's walking into a space where it's like, ah, I can relax. Do your kids come home like, man, I love being home. Like you can smell food or there's music or it's just chill. The house is clean or you're giving your space to be free to think, to hear yourself, create the energy you want in your home, because these are the memories that your children are going to, going to grow up. Mm -hmm. Like that your child, so your child, his childhood or her childhood is what you're creating every single day in experiences where you take them out to eat, what you do for mm -hmm. fun, what you mm -hmm. do inside the house. So, Realize that and actively be present in curating that experience for your children and mm -hmm. for yourself and mm -hmm. for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And for Amazing. me, it's pretty much like love on your children. Show them. Be the one that shows them. Like, why not? Like, what's the ego for? Mm -hmm. Forget the ego. Check it out the door. When it comes to your kids, just love on them. Hug them. Tell them they're the best. Give them anything and everything that in your possible power can provide. Um, and that's how I look at it. Like, why sweat the little things? If I can forgive the husband, if I can f forgive their dad or anybody else, why not my children? Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, they're, my, they're mine. They they came from me. It's a blessing. They, they you know, God bless me with them. So, and we have so much little time with them. We really don't have that much time with them. And mm -hmm. so what we can do is just be their protector, their protector, guide, mm -hmm. nurturer. But at the end of the day, they were not given to you to be slaves for you, to mm -hmm. do all the chores, the housework. No, it has to be, they have to, you know, obviously learn responsibility, be accountable and so on and so forth. But, you know, they're just, you you I can't like certain style of parenting I just it I, it doesn't sit well with me mm -hmm. um and being overly strict and overly like you you know like you said uh, Anna it's very important the energy that you have at home if mm -hmm. kids don't want to go home if you remember back in the day when we were in 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 in, in high school or whatever mm -hmm. you don't go home most kids don't want to go home how many kids mm -hmm. didn't come to your mm -hmm. house to eat this mm -hmm. son, yeah. They never wanted to go home. They're not happy at home. My mm -hmm. kids cannot wait to come home. And I beg them to go to people's house. They're like, I don't want to go <laughs> to that house. I don't want to go to nobody else's house. Mm -hmm. Because they know that what they can get away with here, they're not going to do that. And when they go to other people's homes and their parents yell, they're looking terrified. Like, who is that? And why? Like, why do you have to be that way? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And so I don't, I don't want to be that parent. Um, that's just my own personal choice. 
Um, I just want to have a good relationship with my kids. I want them to know, no doubt, there's no doubt that my parents love me. My mom loves me. We'll give them the world. And that's just how I look at it. But that's not my own personal choice. And it's worked for me so far. And I'm just continuing doing that. Well, I mean, I'll I'll go ahead with my final thought. And overall, for me, I guess, listening to everybody and from my experience is that parenting pretty much just what it is, is that you just need to provide loving and, and, and caring environment, I guess, and one that is conducive to growth of the, you know, the kid or the child, right? So in my mind, make it balanced, give them room to develop and just set boundaries pretty much. So uh, my takeaway is that there is no one right way or method. You know, it is different for everybody, should not be a judgment zone. And we just all want to raise kids, you know, just very responsible, you know, humans tomorrow. Overall, that's what everybody's goal is as a parent. I don't think everybody, anybody sets out to have like, you know, a serial killer child or a rapist or, you know, like a joke of a kid. Nobody, no parent wishes that, right? Everybody wants to have the best, you know, for their children. And so this comes in different ways. It looks different for everybody. So there's not really one particular way to get to the finish line in my mind. And so it's different for everybody. But, you know, in the end of the day, it just, just an, an environment that is loving and conducive to growth for the kids. That's it. I think it's a wrap. Absolutely. Thank Uh, you. All right, ladies. Till next time.